Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. It's passed down as a prophecy every year about this time. Our host for today's episode is Nathan Oblack. Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast for cultural reformation. I'm Nathan Oblack, and I'm here in the Knox Cellar with Ryan Aris and Dr. Joe Boot. And guys, it's it's been a while. We've uh, we've had some vacation time, and it's really good mm-hmm. to be back with you both uh, here in the Knox Cellar. And uh, a lot has gone on lately. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, <laughs> Got the band back together. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, been two years to flatten the curve. How we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, was that two weeks or two years? I can't remember now. Time really flies, eh? (laughs) right? Oh, guys, also, uh, this is uh, anyone keeping track for this. This is season four of the podcast, and this is episode 40 of this season. We've been doing this. This is our 40th time, 40th spin around here. Awesome. 40 years in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. That's right. 40 podcasts. 40 40 days. On the edge. (laughs) And yeah, 40 all, days on the ark. <laughs> Any more? Can I continue? <laughs> <laughs> Just hang on. I got to rack my mind a bit. <laughs> and yeah, of all the, all the things we could talk about today, I, I think one of the more uh, interesting developments has been, uh, you know, last we checked, there are 35 or more states right now in the U.S. that are fully reopened, that have absolutely no... Um, capacity restrictions of any kind. Uh, we're hearing about uh, the NFL season beginning uh, in the fall, where almost every team, I think, is is uh, you know saying the stadiums are going to operate at full capacity. <laughs> Here in Ontario, it's, uh, it's still illegal to get a haircut. Oh, man. Yeah, I had to have somebody uh, give me a trim at church on Sunday. Uh, mm. uh, because, Black market uh, deal. Absolutely, because mm. the, the, the barbers aren't open. They have one of those... Like tree trimmer poles to uh... <laughs> <laughs> keeping that that distance. <laughs> well, actually, give me a really good cut. I might use this fella again. Uh, but it's interesting you mentioned about the, uh, the 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 crowds and the stadiums because, of course, right now as well, it's not just the U.S. and Europe. You've got right. the Euros taking yep. place, mm-hmm. and uh, I was reading yesterday that they're looking at um, forty-five thousand. I think at the semi-finals at Wembley, sixty-five thousand mm. for. Uh, the finals you've got on July 19th, all of the remaining, and there's not much remaining, but all of the remaining masking and social distancing guidelines being dropped in the UK. Mm-hmm. And uh, and here we're celebrating the fact that you can actually sit on a patio with another right. person outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, with the churches, we're mm-hmm. still at 15% actually right. in our own church buildings. If you That's can... Right be outside and distance people by six feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, in an outside situation, there's, there's an end to the capacity limits. Um, uh, so if you can find a field right. and, and, you know, to distance everybody, yeah. uh, kind of a bit of humor involved in that. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and the even, same... even with that in place, many churches are still electing to have drive-in services. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've still got, let's not forget, uh, pastor, um, Tim, Tim Stevens, Stevens right. in right. in a remand center being mm-hmm. held in custody in mm-hmm. Alberta yeah. for an outside service. Right. Uh, that's where we, let's remember that's where we are. And mm-hmm. uh, the capacity limits, I think, for um, essential are, I believe, sitting at 25%. 
um, for non-essential. Um, sorry, for non-essential are sitting at 25. Non-essential uh, non retail. Yeah. retail is 25% right. and church is at 15. So, yeah. so you can get that, your socks now. Right. Mm -hmm. So that sends a pretty clear message about how the state regards mm -hmm. um, worship. Mm -hmm. Of course, unless that is you are attending a, a funeral uh, in London, Ontario mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, for within the Muslim community, and then the Ontario government will bend over backwards yeah. to allow thousands of people mm -hmm. uh, to gather. So, um, you know, there, there are the inequities are thick mm -hmm. and they are and they're, and they're everywhere. Um, but of course, people are doing, you know, cartwheels that they can be back at 15 percent in the churches. Yeah. So in Ontario here, while we're all distracted by what's going on and really excited about being able to, like you said, Joe, sit on a patio and, you know, we can now go and buy non-essential uh, items in stores. Uh, we've got the government uh, implementing and passing bills that really no one's paying attention to. And these are very serious and critical bills that have now passed their third reading. And are now going to go uh, before the Senate, and that's uh, Bill C-6, which we've talked about at length on the program, yeah. as well as Bill C-10. Both of those yeah. passed their third reading this week. But yeah. we're all, we're Joe all, and we're I also, talked about that while you mm -hmm. were away. That's right, mm -hmm. yeah. And again, I, we're, we're so distracted and excited about these little glimpses of freedom we're being given uh, and not paying attention to a lot of freedoms being slowly mm -hmm. stripped away. Yeah, well, we have, if you look, if you think about it, we've got a, we don't have a reopening plan in Ontario. What we have is a coercive vaccination plan mm. so that anything that is to be, um, the, the reopening of society is being directly tied to the number of people who are prepared to uh, accept mm. a, a vaccination. Mm. Um, and... Um, with the fog then around people sort of hanging on every word of, of the provincial government and of federal government. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, the, the, the federal government has just said that they're extending the closure of the U.S. border. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, no surprise, Nathan, based mm -hmm. on what you mm -hmm. just said, because mm -hmm. if you've got the vast majority of states now fully open, mm -hmm. the last thing the federal government wants is Canadians going down to the U.S., right. discovering that everybody else is living in freedom mm -hmm. and then coming back to our draconian and yeah. frankly totalitarian situation right uh, we know that the ex the emergency measures the or at least the authority of government uh within this emergency so-called emergency situation has been extended by doug ford to december mm -hmm. uh, you correct me if i'm wrong mm -hmm. on no, any of this yeah. um and within this uh th with people you know hanging on every word to see if they can send their kid to camp or mm -hmm. go to a restaurant or actually mm -hmm. shop or take any kind of a vacation yeah. uh, they know they can't leave the country not only can you not leave the country though well you can't uh, you may be able to leave the country the issue is getting back in so you yeah. can you can you can get out but with the u.s border still closed you've got all those problems coming back in you've got the uh, ongoing use of these of, of hotel quarantine even in our own country, you've got the Atlantic bubble. Mm -hmm. So you've got all of these issues of whether you can even travel within our own country. So right. you've got all of these, all of this fog, and it's just a sheer fog of confusion. I think it, for the most people at this point, they're not sure what they can and can't do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, with the psychological operation that's been worked on, on uh, 
worked people over. Many people are terrified of venturing out. They're terrified of social interaction. Mm -hmm. They're frightened of being in, in, uh, in, in gathering spaces with people. And of course, all of these businesses are suffering. I know that somewhere in the region as well of 60% of camps are facing mm -hmm. uh, bankruptcy mm -hmm. in Ontario. So you've got this incredible wreckage mm -hmm. all around us. And you've got people who are distracted, understandably, of course, by all of that. And in the meantime, what is the federal government doing? Well, while everybody's distracted by all of that, they are passing Bill C-6, the uh, anti-conversion conversion therapy bill, ostensibly, which just as a quick reminder to our listeners, carries a five-year prison term for violation. Uh, and you've got the Bill C-10, which is a far-reaching um, and... Uh, troubling and disturbing even for many uh of the uh political class mm -hmm. uh reach of government to control media and it should be added that the federal government has said this is just the beginning hmm. they've actually said that this is just the beginning of what they are planning for government and control of media right um it's part of the time yeah. It's, I was just going to say, it's interesting the timing right after they've driven all of our sermons online as well. Mm -hmm. That is very interesting. It's part of the effort to build back better. That's mm. right. <laughs> Another wonderful catchphrase. Uh, but it, you know, you, and when you look at some of this of the so-called Christian media, uh, you have people talking about how well the churches that are really forward-looking and are concerned about the future mm. and will really capitalize on the future will be capitalizing on all of this digital eight uh, this digital transition thing you know they're talking about things never really being the same in the life of the church mm -hmm. and uh, this is how we need to pivot and of course if with this um uh and there's perhaps a partial truth there in terms of many churches pivoting to a great deal more digital online mm -hmm. uh, ministry if you will mm -hmm. i think i saw an ad recently for a facebook pastor at a church um, whatever that means. Wow. Um, there, uh, maybe you should. Some, one of us should apply oh, there. Um, you got to get on that, Joe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a whole separate. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Whatever a social media pastor is, um, this is the, 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 the when you've got bills like Bill C ten, and then the promise of federal government to be expanding and extending their reach into this mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. You can see the direction of all of this. And mm -hmm. we've talked about these things before. I don't know how many times. And as an institute, we've been saying these things for a decade. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, you get all the insults. You get all the, uh, the, the you're, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're this, you're that. I think I saw a meme the other day as well that said something like, um, anybody got any good conspiracy theories right now? All mine have come true. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of these things that were sort of, believed to be fringe and you know alarmism and all of that uh we're seeing these kinds of bills being passed and actually you do find now that, that the church leaders are starting to recognize that there is a future reality shaping up here mm -hmm. um but uh people still don't really know what to do they don't know how to respond We've got such a collapse of the christian world and life view in this situation that's been so on display in this last 18 months that uh well i guess for us as an organization the driving it's driven radically up the the consumption of our material which we're obviously pleased about i mean we've seen huge 
300% increases in people, you know, uh, engaging with our, our books and, and resources. Um, but the, the discouraging thing is that uh, the kind of future that we were concerned that was shaping up and were warning about a decade mm -hmm. ago um, is taking concrete form in front of our very eyes. And, mm -hmm. and, and laws are being passed through Parliament mm -hmm. that are harbingers of tremendous difficulty for the church. And the fact that there is, Nathan, been this drive to pushing churches and Christian ministries onto these online platforms mm -hmm. more and more. Mm -hmm. uh, if that begins to be regulated in the way the federal government is promising, with Bill C-10 and then with their promise of future uh, development and further regulation, this should be of a profound concern to every Christian living in Canada today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As should mm -hmm. the ongoing incarceration of pastors in Alberta. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And not just Christians, but citizens. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Citizens who, who value freedom, who value freedom of speech, who value freedom yeah. of expression, who value freedom of worship, freedom of religion. Uh, all of these things are, you know, and I've seen some ridiculous criticism uh, of, there's been criticism of any Christian or pastor or leader who speaks out on these issues now uh, is being frequently thought of as you know playing well outside the lines what's this got to do with the gospel right what does this have to right. do with anything uh this sort of polarization in the church this uh this uh, po so-called politicization of christianity mm. in the church is such a terrible thing and why shouldn't we just focus in on the gospel do we not realize how what is it going to take before we actually understand that the government being under God, that the lordship of Jesus Christ, that the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom, that all of these things, that culture and political life, that, that, the, that the implications of the gospel, the true gospel for those areas of life are radical and profound. Mm -hmm. And that when you destroy the definition of marriage, when you destroy our ability to counsel and pastor, when you destroy people's ability to educate their children in freedom, when you take away people's freedom of worship, mm. you are attacking at its very root. Mm -hmm. You're attacking at its very root the gospel of the kingdom. We've so pared down, trun truncated the gospel, as we've said in an institute, for a decade and more. We've so truncated the gospel to some mm -hmm. pietistic minimal of saying, well, if I can tell people that Jesus loves them and died for their sin and they can go to heaven, my freedom is not being infringed. Mm -hmm. uh, in some context, you know, at least if I can say that, maybe in a private conversation, you know, somehow I've still got freedom. Just just live it out, you know. Event, your, your life will be its own testimony and eventually they'll ask you, they're going to ask you about Jesus any day now. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that this is a lie. Mm-hmm. And that, as Wilberforce, William Wilberforce, well understood, one you know, one of the founders of modern evangelicalism, law and cultural life is the plausibility structure that shapes our very ability to preach the gospel to a people who might be able to comprehend it. Hmm. Uh, that in that when you when the very ideas of, for example, fatherhood, God is our father, hmm. right? Uh, the idea of marriage and family, we are the bride of Christ. When the um, 
when the very ideas of kingship and lordship and sovereignty are undermined and removed and handed over to the people or the state, etc., etc., that actually all of these things erode at the very root of the gospel of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And they it, it means that a people that no longer sees sin as sin, there's no gospel to preach to a people that do, do not recognize the, the power and truth of God's law. Mm-hmm. Because the people that need the gospel are the people that recognize they are violators of mm-hmm. God's law. Mm-hmm. If there's no recognition of that, there is no gospel to preach. Mm-hmm. And so that is why Paul in 1 Timothy 1 talks about the law of God, uh, the first and second table of the law, and uh, ties that explicitly to his gospel. Right. It's right there in 1 Timothy 1. Go and read it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's central to the gospel. It's why guys like Wesley and, uh, and Luther talked about preaching the law before they preach grace. Right, mm-hmm. I think it was Wesley who said, "I preach ninety percent law, ten percent grace," mm-hmm. because it's the law of God, which Scripture makes clear, drives us to our understanding of the necessity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. And as that is undermined and destroyed in our society, and the recognition of creational normativity and God's law for creation in our lives is undermined in all of these areas, we erode the very idea, the very foundation of the gospel. And of course, in the midst of that as we confront the immediacy of the situation, how many people have taken communion in the last 18 months, Mm. have obeyed the command to come to the Lord's table with God's people? How many people have we actually been baptizing, laying our hands upon them and baptizing them? Mm -hmm. How many people who have been sick have called for the elders of the church, sick with COVID-19, have called for the elders of the church as scripture commands to lay hands upon them? How many of us have laid hands on the sick so they might recover? How many of us have actually been engaged in personal, intimate, pastoral care for people? And we've seen and we've witnessed the absolute historic reversal, not only of the state's relationship with the individual and with the family in this whole situation, unprecedented, historical redefinition of the relationship of the individual to the state. We have actually seen a reversal of the historic church's response to plague, to pandemic, Mm -hmm. and to sickness. Mm -hmm. A total upending and reversal of the church's historic response. And what do you hear in terms of answer to those things, Ryan? And then with all of these bills going through, Mm -hmm. uh, in the fog of all of this, these kind of, these these evil, Mm -hmm. let's call them what they are, demonic bills Mm -hmm. being passed, for the most part we hear... The sound that we hear on an evening Mm -hmm. at the Institute, Mm -hmm. crickets, Mm -hmm. and maybe a few toads. Mm -hmm. This isn't the hill to die on. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. So how does that bode for us as we look ahead and we say to our, and we hear voices that say, oh, well, when Bill C6 or when this or when that happens, Mm -hmm. then we will make a stand. Mm -hmm. How confident are you about that, Ryan? Oh, yeah. You got that... uh sort of plan B file uh, tucked away in the drawer. It's there. <laughs> Got to activate that. <laughs> well, Fing- and, finger on the button. And John, right. you but- mentioned earlier, or you asked the question, when are people going to understand, especially in the political realm? I think some people are being made to understand as political parties they've voted for for decades are now vo- are now voting for these, like you said, demonic 
bills. Mm-hmm. And people are asking the question, what do I do? And that's, I think, where our resource sales have gone up because people have avoided this question for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, one uh, one um, church leader put it that they uh, that the church state question that wasn't on the test. They hadn't studied for that at mm. seminary, um, and of course that is absolutely true. The seminaries are not preparing uh, Christian leaders and pastors to address the issue of a robust biblical world and life view, a cultural apologetic that is fitted to face down mm. and face up to the kind of questions that we're facing now. We don't have a developed Christian view of reality, Mm -hmm. don't have a Christian view of culture for the most part. I'm saying it's a generalization. We don't have a distinctly Christian view of the state. Uh, What we have is a pietized, truncated Truncated. churchianity that sees very little beyond telling people Jesus loves them and wants them to go to heaven and God has a plan for their life, although it obviously isn't in politics or in medicine or in education or in law these days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that is somehow the gospel. Mm -hmm. And if we're not being hindered from saying a few things like that to Mm -hmm. people, then the state is not persecuting, it's not hindering, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, how many of us have heard that this week... Two churches were burned to the ground. And accelerants have been found there in British Columbia on the uh, uh, Penticton Indian Band Reserve. Right. Two churches have been burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where is the media outcry? Where is the where is this filling uh, the 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 our, our, our public media mm-hmm. today but it, be that churches there, are under attack? You know, stop complaining about the media. You know, focus on the gospel. Right, right there, you immediately have pushback. Right. What does it matter You're that causing the, division? What, what does it right. matter that the media is lying to us? And of course, right. this must be tied to you know the the uh, the abuse of the residential schools. Mm. Uh, you know, because obviously these churches were burned down on a reserve and so mm. on. And we've seen the way that whole issue again, which has come up in the last week or two uh, while the vacation has been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, f- which has been front and center of media. People have been calling for the cancellation of Canada Day uh, in wake of the discovery of the of the graves of children mm-hmm. in residential schools. And instead of actually looking into the actual facts, mm-hmm. instead of actually looking into what has what actually has happened and what happened in that period, mm-hmm. the media implies that some sort of genocide, some sort of atrocity. Uh, took place in those settings. Mm-hmm. And actually what you find the research is already showing, and, and um, I, we can actually refer people to a major paper that's been published by a university professor here in Canada on this, an anthropologist, to look at what was going on. About 100 years ago in this period, uh, you not only had the Spanish flu mm-hmm. after World War I going through these communities, mm-hmm. you had um, outbreaks of tuberculosis. And some children arrived at these schools with TB, mm-hmm. and then other children um, picked them up. And um, these, uh, the, the 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 implication has been that the churches have tried to these Catholic institutions tried to hide these graves. But actually, what's happened is these schools get moved and got moved and rebuilt, mm. and 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 wooden crosses deteriorate and disappear. Um, and so there's all kinds of reasons why the records have not been that good. But of course, the media implication is, look how evil Christianity is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Look how evil and wicked the church is. Some Mm -hmm. kind of genocide 
committed against um, these young people mm -hmm. when in fact we're talking about disease in the community and we're talking about um, administrative problems and errors in the moving of schools, in the yeah, deterioration right. of cemeteries, which, by the way, was not governed by the church. Yeah, that's right. It was governed by the federal yeah. government's Department of Indian Affairs. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think that what we can say is, of course... You know, the conditions in some of these schools were not ideal. Ventilation was often poor. Lighting was poor. There were those at the time who raised the alarm about the quality of some of the uh, buildings mm -hmm. and some of the issues with those schools. And, of course, we as Christians and we as, as, as reformational thinkers uh, and as an institute would argue that, of course, at the, at the heart of this problem was even deeper than that. Mm -hmm. It lay with the notion that the state yeah. has any right at all yeah. to remove children from the care of their parents on a whim to indoctrinate them. Yeah. How often have you heard from the media that, see, the right. state... The state is right. the, yeah, is the they, fundamental problem. Yeah. What mm -hmm. you actually had is churches and Christian communities of various stripes stepping into these situations to try and alleviate the problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and no doubt there were all kinds of failures, um, but there was a great deal of love and care and commitment to, that went into many of these places when the federal government made the mistake and the error mm -hmm. of... Um, this f attempted forced assimilation yeah. by the removal of children into these situations. But so that a true Christian who has a, I should say a Christian who has a Christian world and life view, mm -hmm. who understands the principles of sphere sovereignty, the creational principles of sphere sovereignty would recognize that the state has no right to do that. And we would be fundamentally and totally opposed to it. Mm -hmm. But where is the media today? Where is the political class today? Mm -hmm. Where are the academics today who were opposed to the forced assimilation of our children mm -hmm. today mm -hmm. in state kindergarten, mm -hmm. in state schools, indoctrinating our children forcibly mm -hmm. in the LGBTQ A++ mm -hmm. mm -hmm. whatever, uh, indoctrinating children, right. um, forcible assimilation, right into the ideologies yeah, of yeah. the state today. Yeah, what, Zero opposition. Yeah, what, what happens to the student that says, you know, I don't think it's a good idea that we fly that rainbow flag out front of our school. How's well, even, that going to be handled? Uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. and like, even, like, let's fast forward. If we're, if we're on this trajectory of repenting and apologizing for the phenomenon of residential schools, you let, let's fast forward 50 years and let's look at... Uh, some of the students coming through the public system now and how many students are going to go in for some kind of gender reassignment surgery because mm -hmm. of the, mm -hmm. the environment created and the peer pressure uh, mm -hmm. generated in that environment. Mm -hmm. How, how is the, the prime minister 50 years from now mm -hmm. going to, respond to and apologize for Prime mm. Minister Trudeau's policies of pride in the right. public schools. Right. Hopefully he never gets a statue that needs to be toppled over. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're no, going to have to do the, statues uh, anymore. <laughs> I feel for the sculptor who has to figure out how to do that hair. Uh, but the, the, 
I mean, that's a very, very good point. I mean, when when the historians look back 50 years from now at the coercive indoctrination in the schools, about the coercion of the CPSO, of the, of the uh, mm. uh, College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario, taking away the rights of doctors to articulate their opinion on the current situation, when historians look at the, um, the expansion of MAID, of medical assistance in dying and euthanasia in this country, where we're now looking at, we're just waiting for the reports to come in of how this is to be expanded to those with mental health issues and so-called uh, uh, mature and responsible minors. Uh, when they look at the coercion with things like Bill C-6, uh, and see how the, uh, parents were facing five years in prison for taking their children to a pastor or to a mm. counselor because they had some unwanted desires uh, that they wanted some counsel about. When when the historians look at the attempted seizure of all media uh, and the control of media by, by the state, when it when the historians look at the uh, unprecedented unilateral. Um, indefinite suspension of civil liberties and the fundamental freedoms of the charter that has gone on over this past six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what are they gonna what are they gonna say? Mm-hmm. What are they gonna say about the issue of of coercion and forced assimilation and totalitarian? We make the people a hundred years ago look like the most radical libertarians <laughs> running the most yeah. minimal <laughs> state right. on the planet. Mm-hmm. When you look and when you compare today's state coercion mm-hmm. across the board, state control and coercion to what there was present in Canada a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the Christian church is going to have to reckon with that right. because for a hundred years, for the most part, uh, we've stood by while this has happened. And uh, in a couple of weeks ago, the uh, the Presbyterian Church of Canada itself uh, signed off on a redefinition of marriage mm. and um, the ordination of, of, of queer, uh, so-called queer clergy. Mm. Um, and of course, there is digging its own grave and it will be the, the grave dig is being presided over by apostate ministers. Mm. And this, so this is the pattern of what we've seen. And I think what's troubling right now is we're seeing that, uh, especially over this past two or three years with, with all of these things that we've just described that have been happening, we're seeing the emergence of a revised uh, evangelicalism mm-hmm. that is looking more and more uh, like or resembling uh, more and more a state church, yeah. mm. resembling more and more the, the church in Germany in the 1930s, prior to the breakaway with the Barman Declaration, a church that's looking more and more compliant, more and more complicit, and more and more willing to surrender its identity, its mission, its mandate, its message, to the domination and the control um, of the state. And let's not forget things like the summer jobs programs, mm-hmm. uh, issues where you know, tax dollars are being denied to, you know, Christian institutions that don't buy into the state agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had the uh, TWU, the, the, the Trinity Western yeah, U- yeah. University, mm-hmm. and the rejection of them having a law school by the Supreme Court because of their community code, which was basically the state saying, you can't have a Christian institution, a mm-hmm. distinctly Christian institution in this country that trains people for any form of public office. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, most of these things are either ignored or missed or uh, uh, the Christian church for the most part seems unaware of them. Mm-hmm. 
And in the meantime, a handful of people, a handful of organizations behind the scenes try and preserve the liberties that are left. So I'm not sure, as you say, Ryan, the judgment of future um, church leaders and historians is going to be very favorable to our era. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, as you're talking here, you mentioned that uh, we, we've been guilty of a, a truncating and abbreviating the message of the gospel to right. one of, you know, a message that Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Mm -hmm. uh, we've mentioned also that... Uh, we're seeing, you know, on our on our own platforms, uh, a perceived hunger for mm -hmm. a uh, an a way to understand what's going on in the world today. Mm -hmm. One of the other things, Joe, that uh, you've been saying through the institute for years is that if the gospel means good news, as it etymologically does, you you all you your immediate question after that has to be, well, what what makes the news good? News always has to have a context, right? right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what uh, what was bad that makes the gospel good news? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that, do, or do you think, because uh, I do think, that there there's a tremendous opportunity sort of running right through the middle of the, uh, mm -hmm. the crisis that we're in in Ontario and in Canada right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's an excellent point. One of the ways that I've tried to describe this in the past is that the way that the, the modern uh, church, and especially um, really what's happened within modern evangelicalism, presents the gospel is, is at best a headline. Mm -hmm. In a certain sense, you know, the, with the advent of social media and, you know, 40 characters and, uh, um, and mm -hmm. the language of the new language of text and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and of short form right. destruction, frankly, of the English language, yep. which is in and of itself a podcast, which we've dragged you into to <laughs> an extent, <laughs> we're kicking and screaming. Um, and, uh, I've, you know, I've recognized that, uh, you know, I can't be entirely silent on. And so I have tried to maintain a, mm -hmm. uh, a Twitter account of sorts, right. Um, to to periodically throw up a quote or an article for people to read, um, but I think that the what we've seen and it, and it, as I say, it ties in with this problem of communication. I mean, you can go back to um, uh, Neil Postman's "Amusing Ourselves to Death," mm -hmm. uh, which was, I think, a critique as far back as the nineteen eighties of That's what right. was beginning to take place with the focus on screens and mm -hmm. the move to a visual medium away from a written medium mm -hmm. the fact that today you know a, a majority of homes have no books at all um the the fact that attention spans are so reduced people's ability to follow through a consistent uh, linear argument has been reduced you know the preaching of the puritans that was two hour sermons an hour as minimum is now you know if you've preached more than 20 minutes this is a bit of a heavy long exegetical sermon um you know these kinds of changes mm -hmm. Um, have, of course, affected people's ability to think clearly. Mm -hmm. They're much more susceptible to propaganda. Mm -hmm. We've seen that in the last 18 months. They're susceptible to, mm -hmm. to uh, psychological fear uh, campaigns. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been and this all benefits the state, obviously. All of this benefits the state, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We've seen you know, very um, valid comparisons in terms of the way things are moving to the sort of 1984 and, and even uh, um, Brave New World. Um, so you know there there are there are there are those things that are that are that are in part tied to the way people consume media uh, and the way they hear messages and hear messaging, and of course the issue with the the the, the visual medium and the short form medium 
um, is that, well, in the beginning was the Word, not in the beginning was the image. Um, mm. God said he spoke the world into existence. He, it was his Word that called all, thing, all things forth. Uh, that the message of the gospel is inscripturated in the written word of God, and that's why Christianity it was Christianity that drove literacy, that drove learning, that mm-hmm. drove the building of great institutions of learning, and led to the uh, the, to the high civilization of the, of the of the Western world. You got all of those things to factor in, and in the midst of of, of it, despite that, we have really reduced the gospel to headlines, mm. to a few characters. And when you think about the way a headline works, um, wherever you see it, whether it's on your handheld device or in a newspaper, um, the 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 headline um, is a message fragment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just, for, for example, um, uh, let's say um, uh, you, 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 you have a message fragment, something like... Um, uh, house house burned down in blaze right um now that uh that headline could be a disaster story mm-hmm. could be that mm-hmm. uh, somebody has just lost their home and maybe lives have been lost because people were in the house mm-hmm. or it could be that uh, an old um uh, an old structure um uh is being um is being removed mm-hmm. and um and because it's infested with uh um, uh, termites or whatever is being destroyed by fire mm-hmm. for the rebuilding of a new property on a piece of land that somebody has just uh, has just built, or it could be that a um, a film company a crew was filming a fantastic new movie on PEI, uh, and um, there was an old structure that uh, that uh, as part of that movie was was burned down, mm-hmm. um, and people could see the blaze for miles around, but it's brought massive investment into the region mm-hmm. do you see what i mean yeah, right. so you could so take and the headline is not wrong the headline isn't wrong but it doesn't give the context right. exactly it's not until you read the story mm-hmm. the whole backstory that you recognize you recognize whether that's a good news story or a bad news mm-hmm. story and this is the fundamental issue with the reduction of the gospel of the kingdom of the message of the kingship the lordship the salvation the redemption uh, the transformate, transforming power of the gospel and the renewal of all things to Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and died for your sin. Um, if you don't know the backstory, how do you know the story is good news? I mean, unless as well, unless there's a, 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 the, unless there's a recognition that there's bad news yeah. over against which this is understood as good news, yeah. you can't possibly interpret. The, in fact, what are we told continuously today culturally? And what are we told even by the so-called Christian critics of the Reformed faith? Get vaccinated? Apart from, <laughs> <laughs> apart from the gospel of vaccination is the, is, the, is, the, is the suggestion that we're judgmental, mm-hmm. right? That your message is just judgment. And we're judging people. And what's the message people get from Christians? Judgment. What they need is to hear about love, about acceptance, about inclusion. And anything else is judgment. And you see, this is the way, uh, despite the attempted shift in messaging, the, the secular world and the pagan culture is saying that we are haters, 
And by the way, that's what the early church were accused of, being haters of humanity. That's right. That's what they were told. That they, were, they were considered atheists because mm-hmm. they rejected the pagan gods, mm-hmm. and they were considered haters of humanity. That's how they were regarded. Well, it's, it's come back. We're being we're told we're haters, we're judgmental, uh, we're, we, we're, we're non-accepting, um, and every other badge that you could add, you know, um, imperialistic, colonial, misogynist, uh, um, homophobic, you know, mm-hmm. the list is so long now, we, we haven't got even time to recite it. But these are the accusations now leveled against the gospel. If that gospel means Jesus Christ is Lord and King, he has come to redeem us from the curse of the law and from the, the just and righteous wrath of God against sin, He's paid the penalty for sin by his atoning death at the cross, where uh, by his substitutionary atonement, he has redeemed us from the curse of the law uh, and has restored us to, 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 to righteousness in God and is transforming us from the inside out, conforming us to the image of his son so that we are made new creatures and that we might go out into all the world and make this good news of the kingdom known to every creature. If we make a gospel known like that, that involves creation through consummation under the lordship and kingship of Jesus Christ, um, there is no way to make that palatable to a pagan culture. Mm -hmm. There's no way to avoid the charge of being a hater of humanity Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. this is the the kingdom upside down. Mm -hmm. This is the, as the prophet said, where the, where, um, where, where love and righteousness is now regarded as hatred Mm -hmm. and evil. Where evil is called good, good is called evil. This is what the, I think the prophet Isaiah, uh, where the, it's a it's a backwards, upside down, topsy turvy uh, reality. Yeah. And the gospel has always been preached into a context where it is counter cultural. Mm-hmm. Um, that it is that it that is is going to counter, uh, and it runs as a counterpoint to the false gospels and the truncated messages. Of, uh, of of any given era, so uh, the we need to move away in sh- not in short it was at some <laughs> length, uh, but we need to move away from a headline message fragment to a full orbed comprehensive gospel that makes known the whole counsel of God. And isn't that not what Paul said to the Ephesian elders mm-hmm. before he left? I have not shrunk from making known to you the whole counsel of god mm-hmm. and he warned them when i go ravenous wolves are going to come in mm-hmm. and um and this is what we've seen in the in the 21st uh, 20th and 21st century uh is that as we've retreated from the apostolic message mm-hmm. wolves come in and they preach another gospel mm-hmm. right now let me maybe i should close though on a on a on a positive note because we've touched on what, Bill C6, Bill C10, the burning down of churches, you know. There, there's much to be grieved about. You know, yeah. the, the, the many things that have been, you know, pouring in all over us in this past year mm-hmm. um, that would leave people very much with a sense, not only that we're in, a, in, in an incredible cultural crisis, but perhaps even leading to people to be despondent and discouraged mm-hmm. and depressed and downcast and mm-hmm. so on. And it's good to be reminded that all of that is is short-lived uh, first of all it's worth saying that to one great puritan william gurnall who wrote the, the christian in complete armor he reminded 
believers even at that time. And the Puritans, of course, were great civilization builders. They were they were Christians who understood what it was to struggle for the gospel, for the mm-hmm. lordship of Christ, mm-hmm. to apply it to all of life. We are still living off as their heirs off the energy, their cultural energy of freedom and the truth of the gospel and um, the the development of all kinds of liberties and Christian education and so on. But Gurnall said this, he said, the Christian's life is a continual wrestling. He is, as Jeremiah said of himself, born a man of strife. No duty can be performed without wrestling. The Christian needs his sword as much as his trowel. And I strongly suspect that that's where Spurgeon, who was a keen uh, reader of the Puritans and sometimes been called the last of the Puritans, the great Victorian mm-hmm. preacher, called his journal the sword and trowel. The mm-hmm. Christian needs his sword as well as his trowel because it's a life of struggle. But what are we struggling for? Let me just conclude with the words, uh, the concluding words of Psalm 22, mm-hmm. that uh, marvelous Davidic psalm, and in many respects a messianic psalm. Uh, it says this, beginning at verse 27, all the ends of the earth, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord. All who prosper on earth will eat and, and bow down. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before him, even the one who cannot preserve his life. So, and I, it goes on with a couple of verses. Who, who is this really referring to then? Is this just some sort of end time at the very end? Uh, this will happen. Well, here's what the psalmist says. Their descendants will serve him. The next generation will be told about the Lord. They will come and tell a people yet to be born about his righteousness, mm-hmm. what he has done. Mm-hmm. So that prophecy is clearly not about uh, the end of all things and the consummation of all things when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, this is a historical promise mm-hmm. that the ends of the earth will remember and return to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you. Remember, there's going to be no marrying and giving in marriage in heaven. So it can't be, this can't be in the, I should say, in the kingdom of heaven, right? Because uh, the, the the old order will be done in the new heavens and the new earth. Um, but the scripture says here, their descendants will serve him. Mm-hmm. They will come and tell a people yet to be born about his righteousness and about what he has done. So in the midst of all of this, and what we can describe as the decadence, the falling off, the falling away, the decay of our culture, Ryan, you've hit the nail on the head with saying this, there is a new opportunity. There's an opportunity because the message we've given to our culture is merely a fragment. It's a headline. It's not the full-orbed gospel. We have yet to really make that known in its fullness, as we should, as a Christian community. Mm -hmm. So we have that tremendous opportunity lying before us. We have a message lying in wait, if you will, that will commend itself to people's consciences because we've adulterated the word of God. And it's Mm -hmm. only the unadulterated word Mm -hmm. that commends itself to the consciences of people. Mm -hmm. We have an opportunity lying before us and we have this promise Mm -hmm. that however long it takes, whether it's the 50 years and they're looking back and criticizing the federal government now, or whether it's 100 years from now or 200 years from now, we want to be those who are among those that... uh, said to their descendants, 
uh, and tell a people yet to be born mm-hmm. about his righteousness and about what he has done and about what he's going to do because all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you for kingship belongs mm. to the Lord. Mm. And that's a promise we can take to the bank. Mm. Amen. Well, a great challenge for all of us there, Joe. So thank you, Joe. Thank you, Ryan, for the conversation today. Uh, if anyone would like to read a, a bit more on some of the topics we've discussed today, you can find Joe's article from February called Christian Liberty versus Lockdownism. You can find it on our website at ezrainstitute.ca. This has been the podcast for Cultural Reformation, reminding you, as always, that from him and through him and to him are all things. To God be the glory. It's passed down as a prophecy Every year about this time